All right. Well, let's open up our Bible to John 3.16. We have been doing a series on uh, on the love of God. And, uh, man, I've thoroughly enjoyed this series. Uh, it's been interrupted a couple times. I haven't got to minister a couple of different times uh, through this. But, but it's been good because, because actually what's happened, we've experienced the love of God. You know, like last Sunday, uh, man, we just got to experience His love instead of just teaching about it. Uh, man, the love of God just got poured out and, and uh, ministered to so many people. But we are doing a... Uh, but the series we've been doing is just um, just from the standpoint of, you know, for so long and so, so many times, when we teach on the love of God and when we think about the love of God, it's always... Uh, well, not always, but I'll say the majority of the time, we, we focus on the love of God from... From like me to you, how I should love you with the love of God, because God loved me, I should love you. And that is a true, that's a part of the love of God, and it's a huge part, and it is a true part. But but as I, as I was praying about it, and as the Lord started talking to me about this, He told me that in this series, he wanted, he wanted me to focus on the fact that He, that God, loves me. And, you know, and, and I, I told you that, you know, when I first started doing that, I, we've been on this for about a month now, and when I first started putting that on there, every every day on uh, on Facebook, I was I was putting a, I would find a picture or a, something that I would say God loves me, and I would encourage everybody to say it, everybody to to say God loves me. See, because it's easy for us to say God loves you, or God loves everybody. You know, that's that's easy to say. That's easy for us to say. You know, uh, even John three sixteen for God so loved the world. That's that's great, and we all know that. But, but the revelation that God loves me personally, He loves me, you know, uh, individually. He loves everybody, yes, but God loves me. Amen. And every one of us could say that. You, you should say that. You should. Hopefully you're getting the revelation of that, that, that you could say with confidence. You could get up every morning and say with confidence, God loves me. You can lay your head down at night on your pillow and say, God loves me. You see, because if, if you don't get that revelation, and I want to show you this this morning, this morning we're going to talk about overcoming a less loved mindset. Overcoming a less loved mindset. Because if you don't get the revelation of how much God actually loves you individually, you'll never be able to love other people. You'll never be able to accept people the way He accepts you. You'll never be able to forgive people the way He forgave you. And you, you will live your life less loved than you need to. Now, I don't know. Sometimes this is kind of hard to, hard to put into words, but I don't know whether you've ever felt less loved. Have you ever, have you ever been around somebody... Uh, how do you say this? Have you ever been around somebody that... Uh, maybe in school or, or maybe even be in a family situation where the, the teacher has a favorite. What do we call them? A teacher's pet? You know, you know is the, the phrase that we, that we coin. You know, and, 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 uh, or maybe even, maybe even, you know, there's stories in the Bible about how, uh, you know, how a father had a favorite son. And he showed that son more love than he showed the other kids. Well, how do you think how do you think that made the other kids feel? Well, in, in the story of Joseph, uh, you know, in the Bible, when the the coat of many colors. Remember, his dad loved him more than than he loved the other brothers. It said, 
and he, he gave his son, he gave his, his favorite son the coat of many colors. Well, what did, what did that make his other brothers do? It didn't make them love Joseph more, did it? Man, they actually were going to kill him. You know, I mean, they, they got so mad they were going to kill him. And one of the brothers said, well, hey, let's not kill him. Let's sell him into slavery, you know. And so they sold him into slavery and told his dad that an animal ate him. Well, you know, and so th- what they were actually doing, they were living a less loved life. And th- their mindset, they thought, and their mind, you know, and, and even, and, and probably in that, that case, it was probably true because of the fact that the way the father acted, but, but they, they, they were less loved than their, uh, than their sibling. And for us, what I, want to, what I want us to get out of, and what I, want to, what I want to help all of us do today is understand that none of us are less loved by God than the other. Every single one of us are loved by God to the extreme, to the max. There's, you know, the Bible says there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. That, that includes me and that includes you. And you might say, well, what about the person that, you know, you don't know what I've done in the past. You don't know what I did last night. You don't know what, you know, how I treated this person. You don't know what I said to this person. You know what? It doesn't matter. And, and you know, sometimes, sometimes we have a hard time wrapping our head around that. But here's, here's one of the things you have to understand about the love of God. The love, the love that God has for you has nothing whatsoever to do with your actions. In the natural, we love people when they love us. When they're treating us good and when everything's going fine, man, we have no problem loving each other. But what happens when, that, when somebody treats you wrong? When they say something against you? When they, when they do something that you don't like? Do you still love them the same as you did? And if your love is conditional, then it's not the God kind of love. So, so we have to understand, until, until we understand how much God loves us, we will never be able to love other people like that. So let's look at a couple of scriptures. John 3.16 was our base scriptures, what, where we've started every week. And it simply says, we all know this, we could, we could all quote it probably. But the Scripture says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Thank God for that. Thank God for that Scripture. Amen? Thank God that that God loved me so much that He gave His Son. We're celebrating Christmas this week. Five days away. We're getting ready to celebrate Christmas. and, and, And the Christmas, the reason we celebrate Christmas, the day of Christmas is we're, we're celebrating the, the birth of Jesus. We're celebrating this very verse where it says, God so loved the world that He gave. He gave His Son. His Son came that first Christmas morning. God gave His Son to the earth. And actually, we know from reading the Scripture that He did it from before the foundations of the earth. In His heart, it was already done. Right? But here, this was the day that Jesus became manifest in the earth. That's how much God loved us. And I, I love verse 17 because so many people, BJ was talking about that there just a minute ago, so many people, and, and this is what I, what I want us to help, to help us kind of change the way we see things, but so many people see God as a mean and upset and you know, out to get them God, thinking that because of their action, 
God is going to love them more or less. If I can read my Bible more, if I can pray more, if I can do this more, if I go to church more, if I do this, 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 God will love me more. No, He won't. God so loved you that He gave His Son for you. We, we've seen the Scriptures, we've looked at them, we won't take the time to look at them today, but we've seen the Scriptures that said, says that while you were yet enemies to God, He loved you. While you were dead in your sin and trespasses, He loved you. And He loves you now. There's no difference in time to Him. God loves you. Period. It's not a God loves you when or God loves you if. It's simply God loves me. Let's just say that. Come on, let's say it together. God loves me. Period. Exclamation mark. End of story. <laughs> Nothing you can do to change that love. Isn't that incredible? But look at verse 17, and this goes right along with this. Verse 17 says this, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. Did you hear that? God did not send Jesus to condemn the world. Was the world a bad place? Yeah, it was a bad place. Had people turned their back on God? You better believe they turned their back on God. Would they do even worse? Yeah, they would do even worse than that. They would actually crucify His Son that He was getting ready to give them. But yet God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but He sent Jesus into the world so that you and I might be saved. That we would have a way to get back in connection with Him. Man, I mean, that's, that's incredible. You know, so for God did not send the world in the, His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Glory to God. Now, you can turn to, we're not going to turn there, but we've spent a lot of time in 1 John 3 and 4. I encourage you to, to read 1 John. It's an incredible book. There's so much in there. You know, that we read scriptures in 1 John 4 where it says that, that, that you know, uh, we, it's not that we love God, but it's that He loved us. You know, He loved us first. That's the very reason we can even love Him. So, and, and there's so many scriptures in 1 John. 1 John 4 talks about how that perfect love casts fear out. And if you have fear, you're not perfected in love or you're not mature in love. Why? Because, because love has no fear of condemnation. It has no fear of, of, uh, of, you know, of torment, the Scripture says. So if you, if you, if you think God's going to torment you or, or condemn you, then you don't understand how much God loves you. I mean, read 1 John. Study 1 John and see what, see what it says. But let's go, uh, I read this, I, I read this down. I, I read this uh, story about this that happened, and I thought this was so good and fit in so perfect here. I shared this the other Wednesday night. <coughs> but uh, but uh, there was a couple ministers sitting at a table, and there was a group of ministers sitting at a table. And a few of them were, you know, they were discussing some different things. And one of them, uh, Graham Cook, happened to be, he was just real quiet. Nobody was really saying much. He hadn't really said much. And all of a sudden, just... Just out of the blue, he kind of he was eating, and he took his fork and he slammed his fork on the table and got everybody's attention. And he said this: He says, he said, he said, I don't want to live the rest of my life desperate for God. Picked his fork back up and started eating again. Well, man, that got everybody's attention, and they're thinking, what did that mean? You know, why did he say such a thing? And then, and then a few minutes later, Graham explained himself and he started talking, and he just said this. He said, he said, for a son to be desperate for his father his entire life is dysfunctional. 
is not the way God designed it to be. I thought of this story when, when I heard that. I thought of the story of the little boy that his dad was a businessman and, and was gone a lot of the time. And, and uh, you know, so one day his dad was home. One evening his dad was home and was putting his son to bed. And, uh, and you know, they were saying their prayers, getting ready to go to bed. His dad was tucking him in that night. And, and the, the boy looked up at him and he said, Dad, how much do you make an hour? And you know the dad's like, well, son, you don't need to be you don't need to be worried about that. That's you know that's you know I I'll take care of everything and you don't have to worry about it. And he said, Dad, how much do you make in a day? And you know the dad still said, Son, don't worry about that. And then and then the son said, Dad, how much do you make in a week? And the dad was kind of getting upset about this. He's like, Son, I told you not to worry about that. Not you know that's not, you know really that's none of your business. I take care of all that. I take care of the family. You you just you know you just go to sleep and. So he went out and he talked to his wife. He said, honey, is everything okay? He said, are we in financial trouble or something? Why would, why would my son ask that question? And his wife's like, I don't know. He said, everything's fine. He said, we're not in any, you know, said, said, I've never said anything to, to him about anything like that. So the next morning, they're at breakfast and, and the, the, the dad is just kind of uh, curious about why the son would say that. So he started asking him questions. He's like, son, why? He said, why did you ask me that last night? So what, you know, what's going on? What are you, you know, what's going on? And, and the son just basically said this. He said, dad, he said, I miss it when you're not home. And he said, you're gone a lot. And, and he said, I just, he said, I just wanted to know. He said, I counted all my allowance. And he said, I counted my piggy bank. And, and, and he said, I knew how much money I had. And he said, I was just seeing if I could give you enough money to where you could just spend a week with me. You know, or a day, or an hour with me. And man, it just broke the dad's heart. Wouldn't that break your heart if your son said that? And see, that's what we're talking about. For so long, we've always said, God, we're desperate for you. We want you, God. You know, we, God, we just need, we need you, we need you, we need you. But the whole time, he's right here saying, here I am, I love you. There's, you know, he's not separating himself from us. He's here. He's saying, I love you so much, I gave you my son. That's how much I loved you. And for us to say, God, I'm desperate and I need you. And, you know, and it seems like I don't know where you are. And, you know, why are you never close to me? That's almost like a slap in his face. Because, because the Bible says we don't have to go to the, to, the, to the far reaches of heaven or to the depths below to find him. Why? Because he's here. He's with us. He said He would never leave us nor forsake us. That's how much God loves us. That's how much God loves me. Look at John 17. Now, boy, I mean, I know all of you have heard this because I've ministered on this before, but, but, but this is an incredible Scripture here. John chapter 17. If you question how much God loves you, man, get a hold of this verse. <clears throat> John 17, verse 23. Jesus is praying. This is the prayer that He's praying for, for all of us, really. I mean, this is a prayer He's praying for all believers. And He's talking to His Father and His disciples are overhearing Him pray. And He said this in verse 23. 17, John 17, verse 23. Jesus said this. He says, I in them and you in me, that we may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me. And, now listen to this last phrase. That the world may know that you've sent me. And that you have loved them 
as much as you have loved me. That you love, he said that, he said, I pray that, that I would be one in you and you and me and, and they would be one in us. Why? So that the world would know that you and I are loved by God just like he loves Jesus. Wow. To be able to say with confidence and with boldness, God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. That's pretty bold. But the Scripture says it. God, Jesus wanted His disciples to know that God, that God, the Father, loved them just as much as He loved Jesus. And yet we question, you know, it seems like we question God, we question His love for us, we wonder if God will, we wonder if God will do this or if God will do that or, or if God will come through for us. But yet, He loves us as much as He loves His own Son, Jesus. We should never... The one thing we should never question God about is if He loves us. Because it's spelled out time and time and time again how much, just how much He loves us. Now, it's okay to question God and, and ask Him questions about things you don't understand. Yes, that's fine. But, but we should never question Him on the fact, do you love me? If you, you know, if you love me, then why am I going through this? That's the totally wrong question. <laughs> you know, I mean, because, because when you question His love, you're questioning the very foundation on, on everything He did. Because everything He did, He did because He loves us. Amen. That's, man, that's incredible. Now, flip back to John chapter 13. Let me show you just a couple things and then we're going to... I want to spend some time over in Luke. John 13, 34 and 35. We have to understand, this was, this was one of the verses that, that God gave us, uh, that God gave us when, when we started destiny. And it's where the, the theme, touching lives with the love of God, this is kind of where this came from. And when the Lord spoke to me about this. Um, John 13, verses 34 and 35. Jesus said this, he said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Now notice, Jesus, for so much of the other commandments, you know, Jesus, he, he didn't say, he didn't, he didn't go out and say, I'm replacing all the commandments. He just basically took them to another level. He said, it's been said that if you, that if you, uh, you know, that if you, uh, he, he said it's been said that if you hate your brother or whatever, you know, but, or he said if you kill your brother, you've committed murder. He said, but I say to you that if you had hatred in your heart towards your brother, you've already committed murder. He said, you know, you know that if you commit adultery, if you commit the act of, of having, having an affair or, or being with a woman that's not your wife or, or your husband, you know, vice versa, he said, you've committed adultery. He said, but I say to you that if you even look on them and have lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. You know, he didn't say that was a new commandment. He, he was just telling us, I'm taking it to a different level. But here, Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. And then he goes on to say this. He says that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. So from this, we have to understand how Jesus loved his disciples. 
How did Jesus love His disciples? He loved His disciples the same way God loves us. An unconditional love. He goes on to verse 35 and says this, By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. That verse has always blown me away. Because, because I, I always thought that it should be, you know, when you love the worst sinner, the world will know that you're my disciple. Because you have love for the worst person out there that you could, that you could love. But did you hear what he said? He said, this is the way that the world is going to know you're my disciple. How's that, Jesus? When, when you can get along with each other in church. When you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. When there's not division in the church, the world will look at it and say, they're disciples. They're followers of Jesus. Hmm. You know, the story goes one time that a guy was on an island and uh, he was shipwrecked and, and he was on this island for years before they found him. And when the rescuers came, you know, he, somebody finally found him and the boat came and they were getting him, getting his possessions or whatever, you know. And they were getting him to the ship and he said, well, let me give you a tour of the island. You know, he said, he said, here's my house. He said, you know, here's my bathroom. And then he said, uh, and then there were two buildings on the other side over there. And they said, well, what's those two buildings? And he said, oh, that, he said, that one on the right. He said, that's my church. And they're like, oh, that's, that's nice, you know. And then they said, well, what's the, what's the one beside your church? He said, oh, he said, that's a church I used to attend. He couldn't even get along with himself. <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, he said, how's the world going to know that you're my disciple? It's when we have love one for another. Jesus said, he said, we are to love one another the way he loved us. We, if we don't understand how much God loves us, we will never be able to love one another the way He wants us to. It's, it's vital that we understand this. Look over at Romans 13, 7. Now, I want to challenge you on some stuff today because, because it's easy, listen, it's easy to get into the flesh and, and say, yeah, but you don't know what that person did. You know, you don't know what they said. You don't know how they acted. Well, wait a minute. What did people say about Jesus? How did people treat Jesus? And he still, what did he do? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Jesus said that you and I are to love one another the way he loved us. Romans 13, 7 says this. Romans 13, 7. It says... <clears throat> that's the wrong verse, I think. I don't... Let me, let me find that. I wrote down the wrong verse, I think. <clears throat> let me see if there's one in here. <laughs> well, that's not the one I was looking for. Uh, anyway, uh, there's a verse that says that we are to accept others the way Jesus accepts us. Now, that's a, that's a huge verse. Because but I, I want to tell you this story. I'll tell it on myself. I was, uh, I was at the gas station the other day. And uh, I was getting gas, and, and there was a, a vehicle in front of me. And, uh, and, and uh, the person that was in the vehicle in front of me was in the store paying. And they walked out. The person walked out. I didn't know them. I'd never, I don't think I'd ever seen them before. They walked out and uh, had a 24-pack had a of beer in their hand. You know, and they, go, they open the door, put the, put the, put the 
uh, beer in their in their vehicle, you know, shut the door and and uh, and in my mind, just you know, I mean, see, if we're not if we're not careful, man, we'll let we'll let those thoughts go crazy. Because the first thought I had, and, I, and I'm I'll just I'm just telling on myself here, uh, the first thought I had is like. Man, I, I feel sorry for that guy, you know, you know, just hung, hung up on alcohol. You know, I, man, I just, I, I feel for him because he, you know, he, you know he's, he's been cast under that spell of alcohol. I just, you know, I feel bad. Now, I didn't say a word to him. Didn't open my mouth or anything. He, he walks around, gets in his car. And I'm still pumping gas. He, when he walked by, I just nodded at him and, you know, and we caught eyes and I just nodded. He gets out of his car. And comes over and he says, "Hey, can I?" He said, "Can I ask you something?" And I'm sitting here thinking, "Hmm, you know, this is interesting." I said, "Yeah." I said, "Yeah, sure, man." I said, "What's going on?" He says, "Do you know Jesus loves you?" I hung my head and said, "Yep." I said, "I know He loves me." <laughs> just grinned real big. I said, I said, I'm glad he loves you too, brother. I said, I said, I said, isn't he good to know that God loves us? He said, yeah, it is. He said, he said, I just, he said, I just can't get over how much God loves me. And I said, brother, I said, I'm right there with you. You know, and he said, have a good night. And I said, you too, brother. He jumped in his car and drove off. And I thought, here I am making judgments on somebody because of something, because of an outward appearance, because of a belief that I have, you know, I mean, and, and, you know, here, here I am thinking about, you know, feeling sorry for him, but yet he's the one that heard God to get out and ask me if, if, if I knew that Jesus loved me. I'm sure God got a kick out of that too. He's probably up there laughing about that. But you know what? We are to accept others the way Jesus accepts us. You know, listen, if, 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 he, if he accepted us when we got perfect, and didn't have no flaws, we'd all be in trouble. Every single one of us. Because there's not one of us in here that is without flaw. Amen. But 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 listen, how can we how can we truly accept other people until we understand how he accepts us? How does he accept us? He accepts us because he loves us. His love is unconditional. His love goes his love doesn't depend on whether whether I go buy something at the store, or whether I look at something on the internet, or whether I whether I do this or do that or don't do this or don't do that. Now listen, those things will get you in trouble. Yes, those things are not good for you. Those things, you know, I mean, they 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 hinder things your relationship with God, but they don't hinder His love toward us. We are we are to accept others the way God accepts us. Look over at Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter 4. I apologize, I had their own scripture written down there. I'll, I'll have to find that. And... Is it 15.7? Thank you for that. I knew, so, I knew somebody would look that up. Thank you. Let's look at 15.7 real quick. I just wrote the wrong reference down. Yep, that's it. Therefore, receive one another just as Jesus has received us to the glory of God. The, the Amplified says, Welcome and receive to your hearts one another, even as Christ has welcomed and received you for the glory of God. Hmm. That's good. So be careful when you judge people because God will get you. 
<laughs> when I say get you, I don't mean I don't mean in a bad way. He'll just he'll check you up on it. You know, he'll he'll send that very person and ask you if if you if you know that God loves you. Amen. Just as a reminder, amen. And I'm sure God just he chuckled when when that happened. I'm sure. Ephesians four thirty two. Listen to this one. Ephesians four thirty two says, "Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you." Be kind, tender hearted, and forgiving, even as God has done that to you. When you want to give somebody a piece of your mind, when you want to hold that grudge against somebody because of what they did, remember, remember that God hasn't held that grudge against you. Remember that God's forgiven you. Man, we we would be we would be so much better off if we if we kept that mindset, right? I mean, if, if we if we would truly understand and see here's here's the kicker. Here's the thing. Once we understand how much God loves us, and then we're to love others the same way as we saw there in John, then, see, it gets easier to do that because we know how much God's forgiven us. We know how God has accepted us when we had our mess-ups. We, we know how God, God loved us unconditionally. You know, it's not up to us to, to clean people up. It's not our job. Our job is to share the love of God with people. And you know what? The love of God is what draws men to repentance. It's the love of God that, I don't know about you, but it's the love of God that set me free. You know, it's the love of God that helped me get out of bondage. It's the love of God that, that helped, helped, me, helped get me out of the pit. Amen? It's the love that He loved us with. Now, let me, let me, let's talk about this for a minute. Luke chapter 15. I don't think I'll read this, but, but I just want to share this story with you. You all know the story. Luke chapter 15 is the story of the, what we call the prodigal son. And it's in verses 11 through 32. And, and just to recount the story, you can write that reference down, go home and read it, study it out. But I'm just going to tell the story, and we're going to talk about it for a few minutes here as we get ready to close. We all know the story of the prodigal son. The, the father, uh, here's this dad that owns this big farm, has two sons that we know of. You know, and, and the Bible says that the younger son comes up to him one day and, and says, Dad, you know, um, I can't... Well, and I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, you understand. I'm telling this story. He comes up to the son, and this is the way I picture it happening. Dad, you know, man, I, I have worked for you, I, you know, since I, was, since I was young enough to remember. Man, I, I mean, I've just done all this stuff. I've worked hard. I've, I've done this. Man, I'm just... I'm ready to get out of here. I, I you know... I don't care nothing about the family business. I don't care about you. I don't care about anything. Just give me my inheritance and let me go live my life. I'm tired of, I'm tired of living under your control. Now, first thing, we think with a natural mindset, because I think if one of my sons said that, and then the Lord's like, put on the brakes. <laughs> We're not talking about my mindset here, right? We're talking about the father's mindset. So what, what the story tells us, now it doesn't tell us many details other than it says the son just comes up and says, I want my inheritance. Which meant, which basically was saying, I wish you were dead. Because when do you get an inheritance? After somebody dies. 
Basically, the younger son said, Dad, I wish you were dead. And I would take my half of the money and I would leave this place and you'd never see me again. So what does the father do? The father says, Okay, son, here's your half of the inheritance. And the son, probably shocked and surprised, says, Wow. You know, and out the door he goes. The Bible says he went to a foreign country. And don't you know that he got some good friends when he showed up to that foreign country with a lot of money, going to places, buying people things, buying dinner, all the drinks are on me, you know, enjoying the money that he had just taken from his father, not even thinking about his father, not having a second thought about him. Everything's going great for the younger son until famine hits the land. Famine hits the land. Things start getting scarce. All of a sudden, he looks in his pocket. All his money's gone. He looks around. Now that he has no money and there's a famine, all, all these so-called friends are gone. Nobody there to help him. Nobody there to take care of him. He, had to, he ended up having to get the lowest of the low jobs, slopping pigs, feeding pigs. And it says it got so bad that he looked at the... If you could imagine, uh, I grew up. I grew up on a farm, and we we would raise. We had pigs that we raised for, for meat, you know. And we would we would take the extra food that we had, and we would we would scrape it all in a slop bucket, and put a lid on it. Is kept it under the under the sink and put a lid on it. When it got full, or every couple of days, we'd take it and pour it down the down the chute of the the pig the pig house there that was in where it went down into the trough where they'd eat it. And, you know, like, and I could imagine, I, I'm thinking it says that the, the Scripture says that, that he saw the husks that he was feeding the pigs. Well, if you've ever had corn on the cob, you know, you, those old husks, they're the, you know, the parts you don't eat, you know, we would throw them in that slop bucket too because pigs will eat that. And I've, I've, I've thought many times, you know, pouring that slop in there, I remember seeing that and seeing those ears of corn that, that we've gnawed off and left some of it on there and different things like that. This old boy, he got so hungry, he thought, man, that looks good. Now, I don't know if any of us would eat that. But this guy got, this young, the younger son got to the place where that looked good to him. In other words, he got desperate. He had come to the end of his road. So then, the Bible says, he thought about his dad. And he thought, you know, I remember living there with dad and I mean now we don't know what kind of time frame passed it could have been 6 months it could have been a year it could have been 5 years we we don't really know the time that that elapsed but the son started thinking you know when I was at home with dad even the hired hands ate better than this I mean the people that dad just hired off the street he took better care see what, what started happening? Now, now, I want you to think of this from a different standpoint this morning. What started, what started happening in the son's mind? The son started thinking about the love that his father had. Not only for him, but even for the hired servants. They're tr- they, my dad treated the servants. My dad treated those servants that lived in his house a lot better than this guy's treating me. At least my dad fed them food. Gave him a place to sleep. Here I am slopping these things, and probably he, he's probably even sleeping in them, sleeping with them. 
So he, so he finally said, you know what? I'm going to go home and I'm going to beg my dad for forgiveness. I'm going to ask dad to let me be one of his hired help. Because I know, I know, you know, I know my dad loves me, but boy, I know my dad would never, never put me back in the place where I was because I done burnt that bridge. Right? I mean, this is his mindset. He's thinking, he's thinking, you know, there's no way that dad would, would take me back in and, and put me back where I was. But maybe, maybe, just maybe dad loves, maybe, maybe he has enough compassion in his heart just to hire me as a hireling. And I'd live in the, I'd live in the, the hireling quarters is better than this. So all the way home, we don't know how far it was, but all the way home, his son's just rehearsing this. Dad, I'm sorry. Dad, you know, what am I going to do? Dad, you know, how, am I, how could I say this better? Dad, you know, man, what a mistake I made. Dad, I'm, you know, he, he had this rehearsed. Man, he probably had it down pat. He knew exactly what he was going to say. He turns the bend. And the Bible tells us that his dad saw him coming. Now, that tells us a couple things. That means that his dad had been looking for him to return since the day he left. And his dad, the Bible says, the Bible says he looked down that old dusty road and he saw his son coming. And it says that he picked up, he, you know, the, the outfits they wore in that day is almost like a, a dress or a robe. He says he hiked up that robe and he took off running. Now, we could go into a lot of different things about how the, the men in that day didn't run and they... I mean, we could, I don't, but I don't want to touch on all that. I just, I just want you to get this picture of this dad sees the outline of his son coming. He picks up those, he picks up that that outfit and just takes off running. Now, I I, I find it kind of funny because don't you know that at, as soon as as soon as he gets to his son, you know, his son starts this speech and and his dad turns around to his servants and says, you know, hey, go bring the robe, go bring the ring, go bring the shoes. So what, what must have happened was this. His dad didn't turn around and get his servants right away. He didn't turn around and say, hey, let's walk out here and go see my son. My son's coming. Let's go see. No, the, the dad picked up his skirt, picked up his robe, and just took off running. And his servants that was around him saw him running. They're like, oh, we better take off running too. He's running. You know, we don't know what's happening. So they just go chasing him because he's running. They don't know what's going on. But they get to the son. And the son starts this, Dad, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dad. And, and the, the dad just ignores him. And just says, get, get, the, get the robe, get the ring, get the sandals. Kill the fat calf. The son that I lost is home. Let's party. You know, so, so they, I mean, the son's probably, you know, now first of all, back up a little bit. Could you imagine the son when he sees his dad running toward him? You know, my my first thought would probably be like I would turn around and run because I'm afraid he's gonna he's coming after me. You know, I mean, just think you just told your dad however long ago that was. You just told him you wish he was dead. You took half the money. You're coming back now, totally broke. You wasted half of his life's earnings, and now you're coming back home. And here he is running toward you. <laughs> you know, probably in his mind he's thinking, okay, this is either really good or really bad. I'm about to find out which one it is. Luckily for him, it was really good. So his dad gets out there and, and you know, hugs him. We know the story. He gets him and he, he, brings him, he brings him back into the house. And, 
And he's celebrating that his son that was lost is back home. And then the end of the story is kind of interesting because, because we, hear, we, we kind of just get interjected at the end of the story about the older son. And the older son is coming in from work. And the older son comes in and hears this commotion going on in the house. And he asks one of the servants, Hey, what's, what's going on in the house? Oh, you hadn't heard? Your brother. Your brother. Yeah, the one that says you wish your dad was dead. Yeah, him that took half the money and ran and, and squandered everything. Yeah, him. He's back. So you can imagine the joy of the older brother. Oh, joy. And they're partying. You know, so what's he partying for? They, he shouldn't even let him in the house. Here I am. I stayed here. I've worked. I'm older than he is. I've worked longer than him. I've done more than him. And Dad killed the best calf for him? They go get the father and they said, Jim Bob's not coming in. He's mad. The dad goes out and says, says Jim Bob, what's up? said, don't you want to rejoice? You know, Billy Bob's home. You know, come party with us. Come rejoice with us. The older son's like, it's like, I've never left you. I've never spent that money. I've never did it. I never did. I worked hard for you. I labored hard. I, I, I worked like a slave for you. You didn't kill the fatty calf for me. And then what did the father say? Son, everything I have is yours. You, you could have had this anytime you wanted it. And the story just ends. Now, let me ask you this question. At what, point, at what point in the story did the father love the younger son the most? Any thoughts? When he returned? Any other thoughts? At what point did he love the younger son the most? When he was lost? The whole time? Listen, here's the answer. Here's, here's the simple answer to that. He loved him the same throughout the whole story. The love of the father never changed from the point when his son was, was working for him when his son was growing up, when his son was little, to the point where, where his son tells him, he you know runs away from him, forsakes everything the dad had, took half of the inheritance and blew it, the son's love didn't change. You realize the dad was a man of, he, he had to be a man of some wealth. He had to be a man of some importance. He could have sent one of his servants to follow his son to make sure that if he got in trouble, that he would be there to bail him out. But you know what? He didn't do that. He could, have sent, he could have sent somebody and said, okay, if he gets bad enough, just bring him back home. You know, and, and, and I'll, you know, just bring him back home and we'll deal with him when he gets home. He didn't do that. The father wanted the son to return home on his own accord. In other words, he wanted, he wanted the son to be there. The point I'm trying to make is this. And even, and even talking about the older son, 
The older son was like, man, I've slaved for you. I've worked hard. I've labored. I've done all this stuff. And you've never done that for me. But the father says, son, everything I've ever had is yours. You know, and see, both of these, the younger son and the older son, they both lived with a less loved mentality. The younger son thought that the dad was keeping something from him. If I could just get that money and go, I'd be a whole lot better off. But you know what? He learned that he was a whole lot better off with his dad. The older son had a slave mentality, had a work mentality. I've worked. I've served. I've done all. I've, I've, man, I've been to church every day, every time the door's open. I've been there. I've tithed. I've, I've served in the nursery. I've served in the usher thing. I've served, 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 served. And what? And look, look what that's got me. The father was like, son, you could have enjoyed everything I've ever given. Everything I've ever had has been yours. When we live with a less loved mentality, we miss out on the true picture of why, of why Jesus came. We miss out on the true picture of, of why God loved us so much. The question is simply this that I want you to go out with today. BJ said it. I mean, he, he preached my sermon before I even preached it. This, the question I want to ask you this morning is just, is just a real simple question. It's just this. Do you know how really loved you are? See, to be honest with you, the younger son had no idea how much his dad loved him. Now, the younger son experienced that love when he came back and the dad received him back. The older son really and truly had no idea how much the son, how much the father loved him, because he had this work mentality. If I work, 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 one day it'll pay off. But you know what? God, the father didn't love the son because he worked. The father just wanted him to enjoy everything he had. You know, see, so when when we fear, when we have fear in our life, we live less love. When we worry about how things are going to happen and how, how our bills are going to get paid, how, how this sickness is going to get out of our body, we live less loved than God wants us to live. When we live, when we live with, with, uh, with the mindset that we have to perform to get God to love us, and we work hard and we read the Bible every day and we, we're, we're, man, we're dedicated. We've got to read so many chapters and we've got to pray so many minutes and... And when we live like that, we live less loved than God wants us to live. This, this season, this Christmas season, um, I want us to, even, even as what B.J. even said, you know, as, as he challenged you this morning, but I want, us to, I want you to live and to to enjoy this Christmas season with the mindset that God loves you unconditionally. I want you and you know one way we can do that, one way that one good way that we can that we can remind ourselves of that is what I've done for the last month on Facebook and and every time we're together is to simply keep repeating God loves me. Period. 
Exclamation mark. Not a question mark. Not a comma. Not a colon. You know, God loves me when. God loves me if. God loves me but. No. Just simply, God loves me. Because when you add any other word to the end of that sentence, you're, you're, you are living a less loved life. You're putting qualifications on it. You're putting requirements on it that God never put on it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him Notice he didn't say, he could have said that whosoever read the Bible through every year, whoever learns to pray three hours a day, he could have said whoever prays ten hours a day, whoever gives 50% of their money away. But what did he say? He just said that whosoever believes, God so loved the world, that whosoever believeth in Him, in, in Him, what what is that? You you believe? What did the scripture we saw we saw it in, in a couple of weeks that we looked at it? But it says we we have known and believed the love that God has for us. When you believe that God loves you, you will start living a life full of love. You will you when you under when you know and believe how much God loves you, then you'll start accepting people the way God accepted you. When you know and believe, you'll start being kind and tender-hearted and forgiving people the way God forgave you. Anytime you put qualifications on people, you're living less loved. Well, Pastor, you, you just don't know. Well, you, you just don't know the love of God. You're not fully mature in that love. Because what you're saying, what you're saying, if you put a qualification on it, then what you're saying is this, that you know better than he does. Well, yeah, but what about this? What about that? Listen, I don't, we don't, none of us have all the answers. But one thing, one answer I do have and one answer I know is that God loves me. And because of that, I'm going to be okay. Well, Pastor, what's going to happen? What's going to happen with all this political stuff that happens? You know what? God loves me. And regardless of what happens come January 20th, God's still going to love me. What's going to happen next year? What's going to happen in 2021? God's going to love me. Yeah, but don't you think that God loves me? And if God loves me, the Scripture says this, if God be for you, who can be against you? If God's on your side, what can man do to you? Listen, the worst thing they could do is kill me. And then I'd be with Jesus. <laughs> In all seriousness, though, guys, listen. It is imperative that we understand how much God loves us. That we take that we take the we take the the tinted glasses of what we think love is 
we take them off and we see people through God's God's eyes. Just like, listen, I told you a couple different I told you a couple different instances today where I had this I had this thought about somebody that was doing something that I didn't agree with. I immediately had this thought, you know, right? And God reminded me real quick that that was my thought, not his thought. I told you, you know, what I would think if one of my sons come up and said said something to me like like the younger son said to the father in the story, and I'd be like, okay, let me tell you one thing. Well, see, that's my my glasses on, not God's glasses, not God's eyes. And you see, when we when we put our qualifications, when we put our um, I don't even know the word to look. When we think of things through our mindset instead of His mindset, we get ourselves in trouble. And we start living less loved than God wants us to live. He he loves us unconditionally. He loves us when we mess up. He loves us when we do right. He loves us when we pray. He loves us when we don't pray. He loves us when we read the Bible through in a year and He loves us when we hardly pick the Bible up in a year. Pastor, you just said that? See, you're, you're, what you do has nothing to do with God loving you. But here's something I know. When you understand how much God loves you, then it's no longer a chore to read your Bible. It's no longer a chore to pray. You want to. It's no longer a chore to say no to sin you want to stay away from that because, man, you know how much God loves you. See, it's freedom. It's no longer bondage. Glory. I don't want to live less loved. I don't want to live below the level that God wants me to live at. And the way I get to that next level is I understand how much God loves me. Even when the sound system does that. Amen. <clears throat> So let's, let's go through this Christmas season knowing that God loves you. Knowing that God loves me. Let's say it together again. God loves me. God loves me. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads just for a second. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Father, my prayer today is just simply this. Lord, that every person that is in this building, every person that's watching by the internet or listening to a CD or podcast or whatever it may be, Lord, that every one of us, that we would realize and that we would have an understanding of how much You truly love us. That, Lord, that we would, that we would, be, that we would be able to overcome this less loved mindset that we could see and know and understand truly how much Your love and how, how radical Your love is for us. And that when we understand that, then we can start to love others that way. We can start accepting others the way You accept us. We can start being kind and tender-hearted and forgiving the way You do that to us. Thank You for that revelation. Thank You, Father, that when we miss the mark, You still love us. Father, that when we're not perfect, <laughs> You still love us. Thank You for that. When we have wrong thoughts and 
wrong uh, uh, ideas about what other people, who they are, what they what they're doing or whatever, Lord, you still love us. And you're good enough to remind us <laughs> that you love us. I thank you for that, Lord. So this morning, Lord, I, I just pray that that your love would penetrate every one of us to the point that we would know and we would believe the love that you have for us. You're so good. You're so, so good. We pray blessings on each one here today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.